You are listening to Uncommentary, the home of conversations and clarity. Recently named one of Christianity Today's 12 podcasts you don't want to miss, 2021, I'm your host, Marty Duran. I want to talk to you for a minute about my buddy Sam Morris and his leather work. He made me a cool leather journal cover. I use a Loistrom uh, 1917 journal for most of my journaling and my time management, productivity issues, all that kind of stuff, and uh, carries my pencils and a field notes little pad, uh, and he did a fantastic job. He got his start making uh, pastoral or teaching note cover, uh, notebooks, so they're made out of leather. Uh, pastors use them for their preaching notes. Professors use them for their teaching notes, uh, and these things are high quality, and they look fantastic. Now, here's the deal. You can only get him on Twitter. It's at Sam Morris eight at S A M O R R I S numeral eight at Sam Morris eight on Twitter. Hit him up. He'll get in contact with you there and give you a quote. Uh, and you will not be disappointed in your leather work from Sam. There's a lot of stuff that's um, really out there right now with uh, the recent anniversary of the January 6th uh, insurrection at the U S Capitol um, this is actually the day after. So there's been a lot, especially on uh, social media, about Christian nationalism and nationalism, the Christian symbolism that was uh, prevalent at uh, January 6th, whether it was Jesus saves flags or people carrying crosses or spontaneous type worship things uh, or things like that. Uh, and so there's a lot of question. There's a lot of concern about Christian nationalism. But my guest today uh, it has written a book about patriotism, and specifically he's written a book about how the Bible informs uh, what I would say is a good and a healthy patriotism versus uh, the type of mindset that your nation is so much better than everyone else's that nobody else's matters, or you otherize everyone uh, in the sense that... Um, they're not as good and anything that your nation does is okay, even if it hurts some other country. So there is that type of nationalism. And he's written a book to try to distinguish between what does it mean to be patriotic, uh, which he views is, is, um, does have a biblical parameter. You can be patriotic. You can love your country. Uh, you can love your nation as it were. And I'm talking about your geopolitical entity, the nation. So you can love America. You can love Madagascar. You can love Djibouti. Uh, you can love India. Um, in a good and a healthy and a right way. And so we're going to be talking about that today. We'll talk a little bit about nationalism and Christian nationalism, but primarily we're going to be talking about patriotism and what it means to be patriotic. My guest today is Adam Wyatt. He's the pastor of Corinth Baptist Church in McGee, Mississippi. And I understand that that you have pastored not one but two Corinth Baptist churches. Is that right? <laughs> That is correct. I have uh, uh, done two Corinth Baptist churches that were not in the city of Corinth. Well, you know, I mean, look, if you're going to pastor a Corinth Baptist church, it's better not to be in the city of Corinth, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, I've never, look, I've never been to McGee, so I'm just taking your word that it's not like the city of Corinth, okay? I'm not I'm not going to drive down there and do a, you know, scope it out myself. I'm just going to take your word for it. Uh, wow, it's good, man. It's good. Son of an Air Force veteran. Uh, yes, yes, actually. Born in South Dakota. And how long did you live there before you guys started seeing the rest of the, the world? 
Uh, I think I left, and I wasn't even quite a year. Okay. Right? In fact, yeah. I don't even remember South Dakota. I would love to go up and check it out. Right. Go up and see some of your old people that used to hold you in the, in the nursery and change your diaper. Yeah, well, it's weird because, uh, you know, I went on an Air Force base up there that no longer exists. And so uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't even, I don't even know who I would see. So You've outlived the Air Force. Good job. Uh, master's from New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, doctorate from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary just uh, less than a year ago, so that's awesome. You, uh, yeah, yeah. you took on the, uh, the tremendous task of writing about patriotism for your doctoral dissertation, and then you published that. Did you do any like work on it at all after that, or did you just like send it off to somebody and they just like uh, took it hook, line, and sinker and, and stuck it on the printing press? Pretty much, um, I, I didn't want to have to change anything, yeah. and I found someone that would take it as is, and that's where I went because uh, I was kind of kind of burnt out on the topic just because you know it was a lot of work. And, yeah, uh, so I, I was lucky and just rolled with it. Cool. Well, Adam Wyatt, welcome to Uncommentary. Thank you very much for having me, sir. Hey, um, so I've I've given everybody like your you know your academic pedigree, and they all know you were born in South Dakota now. Uh, what's something that somebody who doesn't know Adam Wyatt and doesn't follow you on Twitter uh, might find interesting about you? You got? Any, are you married? You got any kids or anything? Yeah, married um, for almost uh, I guess twenty years, nearly, and um, got three little girls, and uh, so I'm surrounded by females, which is neat. And before I was full time pastor, for the longest time I was bivocational, and uh, was coaching football and driving a bus and. Uh, Staying real busy, so uh, kind of got a little bit of uh, uh, experience doing a lot of different things, uh, and so uh, just really excited about this stage of life. New church. In fact, I started uh, Corinth uh, the week of the convention, so okay, it's so been a kind of a wild of ride. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, I served on the executive committee of the convention. So that would be the southern. That would be the Southern Baptist Convention for those of you who don't care about such yeah. things. Yeah, so it's been kind of an interesting few months in my life. Well, one reason I'm glad to have you on today is because your accent is at least as pronounced as mine. So everybody who's listening, <laughs> they're going to think yeah. that they've tuned into an episode of Hee Haw or something, and it's going to take them a while to go. get over this. <clears throat> so your book uh, from your dissertation is Biblical Patriotism, an Evangelical Alternative to Nationalism. So, um, that's what we're going to be talking about today. It's a big deal. Uh, this is, we're actually recording on January the 7th, which is the day after the one year anniversary, uh, of what I consider to be an insurrection at the Capitol. Somebody else might say it's a riot or, you know, a, a lovely protest or something like that. Um, but this has kind of been in the news now for some time. You were working on this even before, but I think if I understand your time frame correctly, some of this was kind of starting to bubble up the difference between nationalism and patriotism. What does it mean to be a Christian nationalist? What does it mean to be patriotic? Those kinds of questions were starting to get addressed again in some different ways. And you do a good job, I think in your book of addressing uh, some definitions, uh, talking about some overlap and some distinctions. So let's just kind of start at the beginning of um how do you define and distinguish between, say, patriotism and nationalism? And then if you want to address Christian nationalism as kind of an outgrowth of that, then go ahead. 
Sure. And, and to be honest, these terms, depending on who you ask, you're just going to get different definitions. And that's well, I ask you. Problem. I ask you. That's why I got you <laughs> on here, dude. <laughs> yeah. And so to me, uh, nationalism is more of a, uh, you know, seeking to exalt your country over others, whether mm. it's, you know, inherently better or more noble or something to those effects. Um, and patriotism, the way I define it in the book, is more of a, a loyalty to the country that we have. and Specifically, it's a loyalty to the country, to the land, to the people, and to the culture. That's not to say that we can't be critical of any of those things, but, but it's it's a loyalty that we have to our country. You know, I may like you know certain aspects of Great Britain or Canada or whatever, but I can't really be patriotic because it's not my country. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think God has gifted us all uh, with with land uh, in a country. You know, God from Genesis to Revelation, you see the the nations figure in very, very largely into God's plan. And so I don't, even in heaven, you know, you, you see that, uh, um, that when we're at the throne room, you know, that all peoples and tongues and tribes and nations are there. So even in heaven, we've got some sort of a, uh, a marker that, that we still maintain some avenue of our, uh, our ethnicity, our nationality. So I, I think these things are good for us. Uh, I just don't think we need to go around making the claim that we're, we're better or superior, even if, you know, there are ways that I think you can tangibly, you know, quantify some of those things. You know, we may be, we may have the strongest military or we may be this or that, but as a people, we're all created in God's image and therefore we're all equal. So, um, you do a, you go back kind of into American history. So we'll talk about the American context first, although I want to be quick to say that nationalism is not an American thing. It's, it's global. Any, any person yes. in any country can be a nationalist and any Absolutely. Christian in any country can be a Christian nationalist. Christian nationalism isn't an American. I mean, it may be kind of uniquely American in some senses, and I would argue that it is, but it's not limited to America. And I think we need to get that like right out front. So nobody thinks that this is just bash on America day. Um, oh, your, sure. your dad might beat on you being the air force guy. If, uh, if you started doing that anyway, um, so in your book, you go all the way back to the founding of America. So in the American context, and, and I thought this was really crucial that you drew out how um, the Puritans and those initial uh, settlers or colonists um, brought with them this idea of kind of America as the new Israel and the city on a hill. So talk about some of those things and how it kind of formulated what we came to think of as patriotism. Sure. I mean, I think if you were to, to go back to be, you know, a fly on the wall, so to speak, uh, of when we were started as a country, I mean, the Puritans come in, they've got this big, you know, largely Calvinistic view of God being sovereign over everything. And they come into uh, the, the new world in order to, to, to pursue religious freedom and, I think it would have been clearly uh, seen as, hey, this is something new and something exciting, and, and God's in the midst of this. And, and so it, the, the, the concept of God being a city on the, or, or America, the, or the new world, rather, being mm-hmm. a city on a hill, mm-hmm. was a beautiful, I think, metaphor for what they were experiencing. And I, and I think it's clear to, if any of us had been there, we would have very much thought the same. Um, but then it became more of this arid until the wilderness, like let's go conquer this and explore and, and, and grow and see what we can have. Um, 
and 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 then so some of these concepts of you know the national covenant and things like that started coming up and but then what happens well the revolutionary war hits mm. and then they were literally you know fighting for their their newfound freedom or fighting to keep their newfound freedom and and so a lot of these concepts kind of start there and they just uh they, they they basically take a foothold, I think, in some of the national consciousness that we have, and and uh, and I and I love reading through some of those things. I mean, there's some there's some collections of uh, of Puritans during the uh, Revolutionary War time that were just fascinating to to lead through. But I think some of that also goes to the fact that back then it seems to me that people um, had a much bigger understanding of who God was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and maybe now we're kind of post-Christian, so I think that may be one reason some of these conversations are morphing. Back then, you know, the the, the, the pulpit was the most important um, place in the culture. Yeah, and I want to. So uh, yeah, pre- let me let me just do a kind of a, a segue right here because I was actually going to go into that because there wasn't what we know today as mass media. Uh, there certainly yeah. wasn't social media or anything like that. The the person who who had the attention of the most people on a regular basis were pastors across the country, I, I say across the country, across the colonies. Um, they're the ones that had the opportunity uh, at fixed times to address masses of people. And you talk about in your book, how they actually became kind of the vanguard for what Patriot, how patriotism was related to scripture. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know the the, the clergy in, in early America, they were the the leading men of the community. You know, and and not just America, but all all of New England uh, and, and America. And they helped mold political opinion. Um, they were you know divided into various aspects of theology, but most pastors want to speak to issues that are going on. And so you know if you are in the midst of a of a revolution, I mean, and and people are trying to figure out their place in it, it's clear that you would want to speak to it. Uh, and so from at least around the 1770s or so, uh, they rendered, you know, excellent uh, service uh, towards the Patriot cause in the American Revolution. Um, you know, like you said, you know, mass media wasn't a huge thing. Uh, and even even the media that was there, the newspapers and such, you know, they still would would collect sermons that were being preached and, and you know, send those out and things. So it's kind of neat to see how. At least at one point in American history, I mean, I mean, the clergy really held um, j- just a big part of the culture, you know, and, and led it out in that. Whether you know, we can argue about what some of the things they might have said or whatever, but right. it's clear that that they uh, that they were kind of out front and center and, and speaking truth into the issues of the day. And then you mentioned uh, from there, um, maybe I don't remember if you go directly into the Civil War, but we will for now. Um, and you had, it's no longer the clergy talking about what it means to be the city on the hill and King George is the enemy and we're going to, you know, we're going to win because God's on our side. Now it becomes the Northern part of the United States and the Southern part of the United States are both making that exact same claim against the other. So talk a little bit about how, and this is for most people, I think this is not an unknown. I think most everybody that listens to us, it listens to this podcast anyway, is kind of aware that both the North and the South in Lincoln's words, you know, invoke his invoke God's God wrath against the other. Um, and they both pray to the same God. Um, so talk a little bit about how patriotism worked and the role of the clergy still during those, those days. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I mean, both pretty much what you said, you know, both sides. And, and also you got to remember, you know, it's not just the North and the South. The South at this point is claiming to be another nation. Mm-hmm. And so you, you've got two nations saying they're both doing the Lord's work for different reasons. Um, and this is kind of where flags become the big issue. You know, uh, the research I said that flags really weren't that big of an issue until this time. So now you're flying your northern flag, you're flying the southern flag and, and things of that nature. And and interesting enough, I even found, you know, uh, records where, you know, uh, an abolitionist in the south would, would go to the north and they'd like basically have a pulpit swap where the pastor in the, in the north was pro-slavery. He'd come to the south and preach. It was just kind of kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and, and so they started changing pulpits and churches and things like that. But, uh, you know, they had a, probably a more significant role in keeping the faith in, in, in the South, in the Confederate cause. Um, I, I would believe, I think you can make that case. Not saying that all Southern clergy were supportive, uh, because some, some were not supportive of secession. Some were not supportive of, of slavery and, and some had a very heavy heart. And so, you know, in, in places like that, you know, just like today, I think you can say, you know, I think there's a lot of pastors that are pastoring churches where they may not think in the same vein as their church politically, mm, yeah, and, yeah. and 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 maybe they kind of have a hard time articulating some of those 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 points. Maybe I don't know. Okay. Um, but no, the sermons were I very think that's much. Fair, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just that's just kind of a thing that I kind of found that I said, well, you know, that might be something to look at one day. But well, I mean, um, if you just take the issue but, of Christian nationalism, a lot of pastors would be concerned about it they they're aware that it, it's a problem maybe they even see their members facebook posts about it but they don't really yeah. know exactly how to address it without exploding the church and that that's a that's a really difficult thing and now i'm not saying that they shouldn't address it don't don't hear me saying that but it can be a difficult thing to address because there's some nuance required there's some study required and not everybody feels prepared to address some of those things Sure, sure. And, 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 you know, talking to local pastors, I mean, I think a lot of pastors are trying to, you know, figure out, um, you know, how, where they, they land on some of these things. You know, look, I, I, I voted for Donald Trump. I, I feel like even if he were president today, I think we might be better off in some regards, but I understand why other people didn't. And, um, it's okay for us to have different opinions on a lot of these different things. Um, but, but for me, I mean, I, I think, we don't want to make too much of politics, but at the same time, we must understand that Scripture speaks to politics. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so I think some pastors, I think, are overly doing it because they're trying to force the issue on, on either side. You know, because some are saying, you know, let's keep, you know, let's be Christian nationalists, and others are like, hey, let's just downplay everything that goes towards the nation, or 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 basically speak out against anybody being patriotic, and that's not helpful either. And I think most pastors are kind of middlemen. I just want to preach about Jesus and, and get right to the text. Yeah. Um, uh, but but yeah, I mean, and, and even in the Civil War, you know, divine providence became a big issue. You know, how do you how do you view the providence of God if let's just say you're in the South and you lose the war? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's a that's a huge worldview issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just like let's just say we had lost World War II. I mean, how would we have changed our view of the providence and the goodness of God? in those in those moments had history just wound up a little different well the christians in the north didn't have to change anything because they won or what i should say the christians in america shouldn't have had didn't have to change anything because they won well you know and and historically you would be correct on that Uh, but then you've got to look at uh you know 
reconstruction and everything else that kind of happened since then, you know, right. uh, in fact, in fact, one of the, one of the eras of, of history that of course I didn't really have time during the dissertation to hit everything I wanted and, you know, but look at the Spanish American war. I think that's a, another huge part of, of how patriotism becomes big in America because the conquered South had to, had to send soldiers to fight in a federal war that they didn't necessarily agree with. Mm. But then all of a sudden, this guy named Teddy Roosevelt and these great, you know, these great stories of, of, of just military prowess. And the next thing you know, all of a sudden, well, look, those are our boys too. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're for it. And next thing you know, that actually helped put, draw the nation back together in a sense. That's and, interesting. And of course it was, yeah, and I didn't get a chance to put that in there, but I didn't even think about it until after. <laughs> hey, you're listening to Uncommentary. I'm talking to uh, Adam Wyatt. He's written a book on biblical patriotism, and we're going to come right back after this. So what does it take to keep Uncommentary on the air? Uh, technically, it doesn't cost a lot. Um, there's costs associated with editing. There's costs associated with scheduling, and there's not a lot more, but nobody gets rich off of podcasts that they do from their room in their home. Uh, It's all about getting the content out and uh, doing what people uh, like and maybe even need to hear. So I do want to encourage you to become a Patreon uh, or at least maybe a one-time gift. Uh, If you go to patreon.com slash uncommentary, you can become a supporter for as little as two bucks a month. I mean, that's like foregoing a 20-ounce Coke one time a month. And you can become a uh, $2 a month contributor supporter level. Uh, if you choose the $3 a month, you'll get a podcast logo, an uncommentary podcast logo. If you choose $5, the gold level, you'll get a mug. And these are actually pretty nice um, mugs. If you choose $10, you'll get a sticker and a mug. Uh, if you go above that, then there's other stuff. I mean, if you've just got like money to spare and you want to give two fifty a month, we could really do some upgrades around here. Um, but the reality is it doesn't take a lot and uh, a little bit helps out a ton and makes it worthwhile. And occasionally I can take my wife out for a meal. Uh, if you'd rather do a one-time thing, you can use PayPal, paypal.me slash uncommentary pod. That's paypal.me slash uncommentary pod or Patreon is monthly. And these are uh, auto drafts. So you don't have to write checks. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to go back to the website. Uh, the $2 is gone. The $3 is gone. And really uh, you never miss it. So that's patreon.com slash uncommentary as well. And now back to this week's episode. Okay, Adam, I want to, uh, one, one final thing kind of on this thing about patriotism and war and how it kind of has worked through that way. Um, I know you address Vietnam, uh, in your book, which is a distinctly different situation than the revolutionary war, civil war, uh, maybe even, um, world war two for sure. And possibly even Korea to an extent. Um, how did, Tell us a little bit about patriotism and uh, Vietnam and how that related in America. Yeah, you know, and of course I'm, I'm 39. And so when I had to look back on, you know, history classes growing up, I realized that like we spent so much time on the Civil War and then World War II. And then it was like, oh, yeah. And then there was this war called Vietnam and mm-hmm. it was over on this date. And so it wasn't until I started doing research that, that I, you know, because I wasn't alive during this time. And you know, this was a weird moment in American history. And what I was able to see is that, you know, World War II had the, was commonly referred to as the good war because we, 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 it was perceived to be justified. You yeah. know, uh, America, America, said clear line. Like, hey, yeah. yeah, yeah, very clear. And Vietnam was just a little different. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I think it was different is because 
you know, for the first time, the media was able to be there, mm. you know, and, and so all of a sudden you started seeing, you know, video of what was going on in the news. And, you know, and obviously the news at that point was completely different than the news media. Now, you know, if Walter Cronkite said something, you better take it as gospel, you know, <laughs> and, and we, we don't, we don't That's have that now, you know, and so. And even even looking at uh, the way American textbooks view uh, kind of collective memory in the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. I got a small section on that. Uh, this was probably my, one of my longest sections initially in my dissertation. I had to shorten it because it was just utterly fascinating. Mm-hmm. Because I think this is where critical patriotism kind of comes out. Because there were these people that said, look, I want to support the military. I support our soldiers. But some people were saying, I don't necessarily agree with this war. Mm-hmm. And so that was where some of this uh, kind of ju- really just critical nature of patriotism comes about. And I, I think we need to be critical um, about things. Mm-hmm. You know, I really do. I, th- I think I think that's good for us as Christians. I got you um, covered, brother. Found, yeah, this was just a, a, an interesting thing to me, just looking at Vietnam, just because I found myself growing in something I just really didn't know about. Yeah. So tell us about biblical patriotism then. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, again, I, I think, uh, and part of the reason I had to come up with the definition is because in the initial research, there are dozens of definitions of patriotism and mm-hmm. they're all over the map. Uh, and some people use nationalism for their definition of patriotism, right. which is why they're critical of it. And, and I found there's no way I can discuss this in the dissertation unless I come up with my own topic or my own definition. Yeah, yeah. And so, so, so I call it loyalty to a person's particular country that involves a personal identification with his country, culture, people. Um, and so when I say it's personal, meaning that it's, you know, it's deeply personal, obviously, uh, because it's, you know, this is my country. Mm-hmm. These are my people. This is, this is my land. And then I kind of use those terms to, and I outwardly look at those from what scripture uh, kind of or how within how scripture deals with those things. Well, look, this land is your land and this land is my yep. land from California yeah. to the Redwood Mountains. Um, yeah. So how do you distinguish then between, and you may have mentioned this a little bit, but go, go into it a little bit more between patriotism that is biblical and maybe uh, a non-sectarian type of patriotism. So what is it that makes your patriotism, for instance, different than somebody on TV, maybe John Stewart's patriotism, who I think John Stewart is very patriotic, actually. Um, what distinguishes your patriotism from his patriotism or an atheist's patriotism or someone else? Where's that, where's that defining line? Well, and I, to be honest, I think if you were looking at something from a biblical perspective, I mean, if God's truth is truth, then it's true regardless. And so I think that it, the way I'm trying to look at it is um, it's in such a way that whether or not you're a Christian or not, I think you can make sense of this. Um, for example, you know, uh, when I talk about loyalty, uh, I kind of use a couple of different types of loyalty we see in the Bible. One mm-hmm. of them is loyalty to our parents. You know, the Bible tells us to honor our father and mother, but there's no clarifying statement. It doesn't say, you know, honor your parents as long as they're godly or they're good. Right. <laughs> you know, we're just supposed to do it. You know, just as if, just as I'm not, I didn't choose to be born into my family. I wasn't, I didn't choose to be born into my country. So there's an inherent loyalty that exists just by nature of that, that relationship. 
But then there's the loyalty that we see with friends, you know, like, and I use Jonathan and David as an example, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a loyalty that we have in our friends that is not always, it doesn't mean that our friendships may not terminate, you know, like I'll be, you know, our friends, you know, we're friends as long as there's certain sort of things that are met, but, but there's a critical nature to that friendship where eventually says, you know what, I can't, I I don't love you anymore. or I don't, I don't like this friendship, or Mm -hmm. we're going to split fellowship. And so there may be times that we need to be a little bit more critical. And so I don't think you have to be a Christian to understand a proper form of patriotism, because I think it's instilled in us um, just just in such the way that God's created the world. What um, what? So there's a quote, and and uh, it may be in the book, and I, I didn't miss it. It's either Roosevelt or one of the, or maybe it's even Mark Twain. I can't remember exactly. Uh, but there's this quote about patriotism that's something along the line of uh, patriotism doesn't mean um, patriotism means loving your country. It doesn't mean loving your government or something along that line. I, that's a terribly butchered quote, but that's the gist of what <laughs> that's a, that's the gist of what they're the, of what the quote means. So um, if patriotism then is, is loyalty um, and, care for and, re- and regard for as you've described it for one's country and the culture and the land and those things. Um, and it's able to be practiced by people who are not believers. So it's not, so I would, uh, I would say it like this, that it's a biblically acceptable type of patri- patriotism that is like a common grace type of thing. Uh, so John Stewart can practice biblical patriotism, even if he doesn't know that he's practicing biblical patriotism. Um, when, sure. when does it get to the point where either the loyalty, you can no longer be loyal to the country. Uh, and I'm going to take the most extreme, the two most extreme examples that I can think of are, would of course be Nazi Germany. And we would, I would argue maybe the Rwandan genocide. And I know that's a, a lot different, but it's, you know, I'm just using it as a, when, when do you say I can no longer be loyal to this country? Patriotism would be idolatry. When, when does that part come up? Yeah, and you know, obviously, I'm looking at this from an American context, but obviously, you know, the Nazi Germany was something that was clearly kind of way in the background, um, just in just in my framing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I think maybe a better question for us as Americans might be, you know, can I be loyal to my country when we've aborted 60 million babies? Mm. That's a you fair know, question. Like, that's a very fair question. You know, I think that's a much more appropriate question for us to consider today you know we're not nazi germany and we're not we may not necessarily be doing a genocide but in a sense we might be mm-hmm. um you know and, and so can should i should i support that well clearly no um but at the same time i don't think that you i don't think that you have to equate your country with your government even though they're connected mm-hmm. uh and so I, I tried my best when i when i was writing the book i, I don't deal with politics very much yeah you know really you, don't you do all. a good job of uh of like dealing with the issue that you set out to deal with <laughs> yeah and, and that was my point you know and like i said when, when i started this project in 2015 and everything just started changing mm-hmm. and so I was already committed anyway, which which actually helped me. I don't I don't I don't necessarily like dealing with politics. I really just wanted to deal with the Bible and what the Bible says about me being an American citizen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so 
Uh, I don't think we necessarily have to, quote, support our government, but at the same time, the Bible does say that we're supposed to honor them, we're supposed to submit, we're supposed to pray for them, mm -hmm. we're supposed to be good citizens. And I think when the Bible's writing most of those things, I mean, they're, they're, they're under Roman rule. I mean, there's nothing like what we have, mm -hmm. you know? So, so when I read, you know, Romans 12, um, how do I read it differently than maybe uh, a Christian in North Korea? Right, right. You know, but it, it means it means the exact same thing for both of us. And it's a lot easier for me to submit to American government because I can go vote than it is in North Korea, where if I say the wrong thing, I'm dead. Right. So there's one more thing I want you to address uh, in the book, and um, that's you use you kind of draw uh, a life illustration around about patriotism from the life of Paul. So talk about that just a little bit. What, what are, how does it directly apply? What are maybe some of the limitations, uh, but how you kind of use him as an example from scripture about what it means to be patriotic? Yeah, I think Paul's the, the test case for a biblically informed patriotism. You know, he, uh, he was culturally diverse. You know, he was, he was from Tarsus, you know, a center of Greek learning, but he's also from Jerusalem, you know, and so he's, he's, he's got this dual citizenship with Rome and Israel, which makes him completely unique in the New Testament. Um, he's incredibly educated. Um, he is, um, a, 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 he says he's a Jew of the Jews, right? You know, mm -hmm. he's. He says, like, like you may be a Jew, but man, I'm like kind of like the super Jew, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, but at the same time, he he loves his Jewish brothers. Mm -hmm. In fact, he even says, man, I would I'd give up my salvation mm -hmm. if they can get saved. Mm -hmm. I mean, he clearly loves his countrymen. He also uses the the Roman uh, government to his advantage. You know, there's mm -hmm. there's that kind of a cheeky moment where he's like, man, I can't believe y'all be the Roman. Right. And they're like freaking out. <laughs> And I love that, you know, and then he, you know, at one point said, well, I want to appeal to Caesar and he goes, mm -hmm. I mean, so he uses, he uses government. He understands the empire. He understands his role. Um, and, but yet he speaks, you know, especially in Romans 13 about, you know, Hey, we're supposed to, to, to be all in here. We're mm -hmm. supposed to, to be all in with this political, uh, uh, nature of who we are and, and where we are. We've got to be subject to the governing authorities um, just like we would to God himself. And I think that's very, very important. Now, be subject to does not mean do everything they say. We got to be real clear there. You know, if the Bible tells us, you know, you talked about Nazi Germany, you know, um, no, I mean, I guess if we were there, you know, we should pray for Hitler and all the guys. Yeah, but you can't be rounding up no. the neighbors. Yeah. Correct. You know, and, and we got to be willing to pay those prices when those times come. So if, uh, if Paul was a, uh, was a Jew who loved his countrymen and he was a Roman citizen who understood his rights, did that make him cosmopolitan? Um, I don't believe so. Um, even though he had a love for the world, because it's only after the Jews kind of say, you know, he eventually says, I'm done with you guys. I'm going to go to everywhere else. Mm -hmm. You know, I think in that, in that moment, but see, I think in that moment, what he is saying, he's also making the case that we are all equal. Um, Whereas maybe in our context, we, we don't see it that way. Mm. And so I think when we, we start thinking we're better than, I think that could very much hinder our missions movement yeah. uh, if we're not careful. Um, so, so, but I mean, I think, I think he was cosmopolitan in, in the time he was in because he had this dual citizenship. Yeah. 
The book is Biblical Patriotism and the Evangelical Alternative to Nationalism by Adam Wyatt. It is available wherever you buy books. I don't know. Uh, do you know if anybody's stocking it nationwide? But I'm sure it can be ordered nationwide. Do you know if anybody's stocking yeah, it? Yeah, you, 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 yeah, you can get it from Barnes and Nobles, Amazon. But the best place to get it is GCRR.org. That's the Global Center for Religious Research that actually published it. Okay, cool. Um, but you, but you can buy them at any of those other places too. And where can people find you on on the interwebs? Um, well, I guess Twitter, you know, people do those Twitter type things at uh, pass underscore Adam. Uh, that's kind of, I, I try to talk a little bit about some of that stuff out there and, and I'm on Facebook as well. Very cool. Adam, thanks for being with me today, man. Thank you for having me, my friend. As always, thank you for listening to Uncommentary. If you'd like to keep up with me on Twitter, it's at Marty Duran. If you'd like to follow the podcast account, it's at UncommentaryPod. Please rate and review, and whichever podcatcher you listen to, uh, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Podbean uh, or Overcast or CastBox, whichever one you use, uh, if you can rate and review, then that would be awesome. It just helps with search results and gives some credibility uh, to the podcast itself. Uh, and as you have an opportunity, if you would promote it, whether you uh, put the link from uncommentarypodcast.com uh, on your Facebook page, or if you tweet the link or retweet the uh, the initial broadcast that it's live, uh, anything like that to help spread the word is always appreciated. And as always, uh, Solideo Gloria, this is Marty Duran for Uncommentary Podcast. <laughs>